0: Your body is your home for the rest of your life. This is your one body. And so part of it is connecting with your humanity and that you're more than a body. Your body is not
1: your identity Welcome to the Big Kid Problems podcast. Based on the comedic social channel all about not wanting to be an adult. I'm your host, Sarah Merrill, the writer, creator, and pretty normal human behind the popular Instagram, Twitter, blog, and now podcast, Big Kid Problems. So I've spent the last almost decade making jokes about navigating the adult world. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that no matter what your age is, we all have big kid problems. We're all just trying to figure it out. And you know what? That's okay. So each week we're gonna take a funny yet informative look at a specific struggle or big kid problem, if you will. Then we'll break it down with a rotating cast of comedians, personalities, and experts to actually give us the tools and resources to help us solve our big kid problem of the week. From love and relationships, money, career, physical and mental health, bad decisions, and just general life responsibilities, nothing is off limits. So thank you so much for joining me as we navigate adulthood together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, hey, welcome back to another week and another episode of the Big Kid Problems podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Merrill. Welcome to the show, guys. My voice might sound a little hoarse right now. And that is because I'm actually recording this intro the day after getting back from my bachelorette weekend. I mean, if that's not dedication, guys, I don't know it is. <laughs> Luckily, uh, the interview you're going to hear today took place a few weeks ago when I still had brain cells. But yeah, if you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw some videos and maybe wondering how I'm still alive. And I'm honestly kind of wondering that too. Um, but it is so funny. Like I have been getting so many questions from a lot of you about my bachelorette. It was honestly epic, like the best Bachelorette I've ever been on or heard of or seen in my life. So don't worry. I wasn't planning on it, but I think I am going to do a whole episode on all things Bachelorette as soon as I have normal brain function again. I promise I will keep you posted on that. But today we do have an awesome episode for you, all about intuitive eating. I really wanted to get into this a few weeks ago, especially uh, right before my bachelorette, because honestly, I've been a little insane trying to get in shape for this freaking wedding. And I've talked to so many of you brides to be out there, and we all have the same questions around food. Like I know throughout my twenties and now thirties, I have tried so many different diets. I've cut out gluten. I've been Paleo, I tried plant-based. I mean, there's so much conflicting information out there. And frankly, it's exhausting. And now, as a bride to be, like my casual wanting to be healthy has kind of become a full-blown obsession. And maybe my other brides out there can relate, but holy shit, like the pressure is on to look your absolute best. And I know I've been super conscious, but also kind of confused on what to even freaking eat. That's why I turned to one of the most sought after nutritionists in the entire country. She specializes in intuitive eating and has been featured in the New York Times, Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, The Today Show, The Wall Street Journal, Solve Magazine. I mean, that's just to name a few. She has an award-winning practice in Newport Beach, California and has written nine books, including her latest release, The Intuitive Eating Workbook, 10 Principles for Nourishing a Healthy Relationship with Food. Guys, the one and only Evelyn Triboli is in the house today. Evelyn is going to give us a little crash course in intuitive eating and help change the way we think about food. She gives a lot of gems in this episode and it's obviously for everyone, but my brides-to-be especially, you need to listen to this one. I mean, I had my mind blown at one point. You'll hear it in the episode. Um, But with that, I say we just jump right into it, folks. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. while we talk about listening intuitively to our bodies this week. Right now, as I record this, my body is literally screaming at me to go take a nap. Let me tell you, that flight home yesterday for my bachelorette, not ideal. And all I was thinking about, like the only thing keeping me going and not throwing myself out of the emergency exit was knowing I could come home to my Helix bed. Guys, if you don't know about Helix by now, they were awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. What makes them so incredible is that they have you take a quiz beforehand to match your body type and sleep preferences to find the perfect mattress for you. They have several different mattress models to choose from like soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattresses great for cooling you down if you sleep hot and even a Helix Plus mattress for our plus size folks out there. I took the Helix quiz and was matched with the Midnight Lux style because I sleep on my back inside while my Beyonce Brandon sleeps on his back like a fucking vampire. But that Midnight Lux style was the perfect balance for us both. It was such a huge upgrade for us and delivery and setup was just so freaking easy. I really can't imagine ordering a mattress any other way. We both are sleeping better and oh my God, even just talking about it, I can't wait to go get cozy and horizontal with my puppy and just not move for the next two to three business days. So if you're looking for a mattress, you really can't go wrong with Helix. They have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. Just take the Helix quiz, order the mattress that you're matched to, and the mattress comes right to your door, shipped faux-free they will even pick it up for you if you don't absolutely love it, but I do have a feeling that you will. So if you're ready for the best sleep of your life, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash big kid. That's helixsleep.com slash big kid. Check it out today. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Big Kid Problem Podcast. I am joined now by Evelyn Triboli. She is an award-winning registered dietitian with a new book. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being on. Um, I understand you have like you have an incredible practice in Newport Beach. You um, are a very, very sought-after nutritionist. And we're so excited to have you on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about you, your background, and a little bit about what prompted your new book? Yeah. So my new book is Intuitive Eating for Every Day, 365 Daily Practices
0: and Inspirations. And so it's, it's an offshoot of a framework of a book that and a concept Elise Rush and I co-created called Intuitive Eating. And that was 25 years ago. That got started because we were working with people who had issues around their eating and their bodies. And we were, I like to say that we were trained in diet culture, I have a master of science in, in nutrition. And we were finding that this isn't working, it doesn't feel good. So we created this, this new model. And it was 25 years ago, but now there's over 140 studies on our work showing benefit that I'm so excited about. But I've had patients say that they wish they could put me in their back pocket. <laughs> and so this book is little tiny, little bits of, of intuitive bidding, little bits of solace every day to help inspire or just get, get, get through the day because diet culture is, is so fierce, you know? So that's, that's what prompted that. And it's a book that actually came deep from my heart, I'll have to say. Oh, that's
1: awesome. That's crazy that you created the concept of intuitive eating 25 years ago because I feel like it's something... I know. I feel like it's something I've only kind of just recently started hearing people, you know, talk about or even just really became aware of. Um, So for anybody who is maybe new to this, who may not understand what intuitive eating is, can you give us like a little bit of a like a 101. <laughs> yeah. And let me let me also, even before I do the
0: 101, I would say it's really understandable if you'd be confused because it's like all of a sudden we're a success overnight 25 years later. <laughs> There's over 300 million hashtags on on uh, TikTok alone. And so sometimes what you see posted doesn't reflect our model. It reflects some, someone's experience or it reflects their joy in having peace with food. And sometimes people have this impression about what is this intuitive eating? So let's get down to that question. So basically, it's a compassionate self care eating framework where you are centered and it's rooted in having dignity and respect for all bodies. And that sounds kind of basic, um, and I have many ways of describing it. When I'm working with teenagers, I say, it's about you being the boss of you. No one can be an expert of your experiences, your thoughts, your feelings, and, and so on. But because diet culture has become so insidious, I have worked with so many people who can count the macros in a single P and then be crying and saying, I don't know how to fucking eat anymore. you know. And so that's what this book is about. It's about, or the model is about rather, is recultivating that trust that gets disrupted because it gets disrupted over and over again. Every, try, every time you try and fake out hunger, fake out fullness, your body is so smart. It can't, it can't take it for very long. And so sometimes what ends up happening as a survival response, you end up inhaling the food. No, no different than when you inhale, if you hold your breath for a long time, a survival response and no one says, oh my gosh, you have lost control breathing. You're addicted to air. These, these kinds of things happen with our, with our eating as well. So it's a coming home, coming home to your body, your expertise of yourself.
1: Yeah. That's so funny how you just said you're like, people are like, I just don't know what the fuck to eat anymore. Like I feel like that. Like sometimes I feel like I've tried so many different things. I have, I've tried myself. I mean, a bunch of fad diets over the years and I keep like doing more research. I keep trying to do the right thing. And at a certain point you're like, what is the right thing? Like, I don't even know anymore. It's, it's gets so confusing and it can be really disheartening.
0: You know what it is. And so part of the problem I've seen too is that nutrition and health have been kind of weaponized or used as virtual signaling. Like you're a... Special person because you eat a certain way. So, all this confusion happens. So, that's why I say, wait a minute, let's, let's listen to your body. Your body is, am, is amazingly wise. But what happens is when you're at war with your body, there's a tendency to not want to listen to its messages. So, sometimes I will say to my patients, imagine that if you tended to your body the way you, you tend to your cell phone, every time there's a, a text, whoop, a little sound, whoop, whoop, and we're like, you know, it has our attention right away. And our body has this amazing mechanism. It's called intraceptive awareness, which is our ability to perceive physical sensations in our body. Some of it's pretty basic, like when you have a full bladder, you can feel that, boom, you pee, <laughs> hopefully. Mm-hmm. You can feel your heart rate, you can feel hunger and fullness. But every emotion has a physical sensation. So what happens is when you're attending to the sensations of your body, you're actually getting into balance, biological balance and psychological balance, but it takes listening and then responding in a timely manner.
1: Mm. And I know I know you've talked a lot about like these cues of kind of you know like hunger and satisfaction like these are these are big things that uh you know you want to understand, like your body is giving you these cues. Can you, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: yeah, so' that's, that's actually a really good question because there's a lot of misunderstanding as, as to what it is, and the first thing I want to say these are these are actually like gifts you know to be alive to feel hunger is great, and yet hunger is not a pathology. It's not something that we need to avoid or fear or fake out. And I've had people who are afraid of hunger and they delay eating. And then the the paradox is the hunger gets more intense and you get into this place that I call primal hunger. When you're at that moment, it's like, I don't care. Get out of my way. I'm gonna eat you too. (laughs) You have that kind of intensity and urgency and then it and then it scares them. And and then fullness is also a normal cure to our body letting us know oh, I've had enough to eat. This is good. I'm good. Thanks. It's not, it's not a flaw. It doesn't mean you did something wrong. It's this content fullness that sustains and satisfies you and feels good. And so the question is, ooh, what do these things feel like to you? What is comfort? What does pleasant hunger feel like? And when I ask that question, a lot of people can answer it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I might start with the opposite. Well, like what's unpleasant hunger feel like? When you're in that hangry place. And so do you feel it more in your stomach? And some people think that's what it is. It has to be an empty, rumbly stomach. It can be, but that's not the only way. Sometimes people feel it first in their mood, that that irritability, the having to be extra nice because you're feeling that that tension coming on. Or maybe it's it's uh, you're noticing a difference in your ability to focus and and concentrate, so it 's different for different people and and learning what that is, and part of hunger is actually thoughts all of a sudden, oh yeah, dinner sounds that sounds really good that 's part of the hunger process that 's part of the, the pleasant aspect and so looking at what those are and how it feels when you when you honor that where 's your edge? you know how long does it take before you get into that that yucky place where it feels painful or it feels urgent and 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 not not so good where's that and so getting to know and then what kind of foods appease and and satisfy you know curious mm. questions
1: yeah i get seriously hangry.
0: Okay. <laughs> like, I love that word, by the way. I think it's a great description. It's a it great really, description.
1: It, it really, it really is. But like, I was just recently on a, um, a trip with my fiance and he knows like when it's coming, there's like fear. I can, and I can see it in his eyes. Like the reflection <laughs> of fear. He's had and trauma. He, oh, he, he was, has. Oh. Like he definitely has. He's like, oh shit, we got to get you some food fast yeah. because like yeah. you're about to just pop off. So, I guess is that kind of where you start? Is start you start listening to those hunger cues and maybe catching them a little bit earlier? That in, you just nailed it. Yeah. So, it's actually, I'd want to have you catch a little bit uh, earlier so your fiance is
0: not living in terror <laughs> when he's driving and you're sitting next to him. And by the way, I, I get that. And so then the question is, oh, what are the signs before that that hangry place? you know? And what is it that might be disrupting you from, from noticing? And so it might be something as simple as just checking in and noticing what that is. And for some people, they, they notice it easier on time. For others, it's, it's just a matter of checking in every, every few hours and noticing. And let's say, and by the way, this is not pass or fail. That's the cool thing about intuitive eating. It's a journey of discovery and learning. And so let's say, oh no, I got into that hangry place again. I wanted to catch it earlier. It's like, okay, so let's notice what this feels like. Let's notice the intensity. And then I I would have you do this next part when you finish eating because when you're in that place, it doesn't feel good. But noticing, reflecting, when when was a sign right before this that I might be getting... Kind of toward hungry. And sometimes people, they, they minimize it or they dismiss it or they'll, they'll say, Oh, I got one more thing to go. I got one more project to do, one more thing to take off the to do list. And next thing you know, you've crossed over that line, you know? And it's mm-hmm. powerful. I think mm-hmm. people underestimate it, the power of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that's probably why, where I'm guilty of is I feel like I'm just like doing a lot of stuff. And then sometimes I like, you know, forget or push push food to a point where then I'm like, okay, now I'm freaking starving. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, and then you can't, you know, there's no holds barred. Like I'm like, all right, I will. And then I I almost feel like when I when I push too far, then I'm insatiable. Like then I eat, I eat really fast. Mm -hmm. Um and I probably end up eating more than I wanted to. And I think you talk a little bit about this book, this like kind of how you go into kind of food scarcity, if you could, if you could share a little bit Yeah, about that. yeah.
0: So that's, that's what happens on, on a biological level. Your little cells are, oh my God, she's gonna kill us. She's starving us. And so it's this intense hunger. It doesn't feel good. And you're right. There's commonly, there's an overshoot. And sometimes people will misinterpret that and see that, oh, there's something wrong with me. I can't trust my body. And if instead we can say, no, this is actually your body working. It doesn't feel good. Uh, so let's look at what we can do to, to honor this a little bit sooner. And now, and there's another level to the scarcity, that's the psychological level we haven't talked about yet. And that is if you really, really believe you can't have a food and you can never have it again, when you combine that with hunger and then the scarcity, it's like, I better get it now, better get it all now while I can. And we saw that with the toilet paper shortage at the pandemic in the beginning, you know, it was flying off the shelves, people were hoarding it, they were talking about it all the time. <laughs> (laughs) And that's what happens also when people go on different types of diets for the purpose of trying to change their their body. You start thinking more about food. You have these rigid rules that I can't have this, I can't have that. And something comes along to disrupt it, whether it's a mood, whether it's an event, whether you can't stand it anymore. And now it's just not one or two cookies, it's the whole row or it's the whole package. So it's a natural compensatory response. So it's biology colluding with psychology and it is so powerful and it's not willpower. People think it's willpower. It's no, 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 no. So that's why one of the principles of intuitive eating is making peace with food that you actually have permission to eat it. Because you know when you have a food that's available, you get to ask yourself, huh, do I really want it? If I eat it now, am I gonna enjoy it? It's not gonna be this this intensity thing that's, that,
1: that's going on. Hmm. I do want to take a moment to like talk about moods and food. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, especially like coming off of a a stressful year, like we all did. right? (laughs) Oh my goodness, God. Yeah. I mean, I've experienced this. I know everybody's experienced this where, you know, sometimes we turn to food for comfort um, or sometimes we'll just like mindlessly eat. Like I know, I mean, I'm just using my my, this is an example because this happened to me literally you know, thirty minutes before this podcast recording, ah. <laughs> where I was like, I I was pushing off some things that I needed to do like all yeah. day today, and while I was pushing things off, I just kept going to the refrigerator. I just kept mm. going and checking mm-hmm. the refrigerator, and it's like one of those things I feel like we can sometimes be a little mindless about, um, yeah. Or you know, turn to when we're sad, when we're stressed, all of these things. So what what would you say to somebody who who turns to food for comfort? How do you kind of start to get away from that.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we have a whole principle dedicated to that and that's called coping with your feelings with kindness. And sometimes we have to recognize we're doing the best we can with what we have. And sometimes food is going to be part of that. When you start adding shame and guilt on top of that, that actually makes it worse and not, not better. So one of the ways that we can start looking at it, start exploring is ask the question, huh, what am I feeling right now? And what do I need right now? And so those are two basic questions like riding a bike. But what often happens is uh, when you're in the, in, in the depths, you're not aware of actually what's, what's going on. But when you can start labeling that feeling, so it sounds like you have a lot going on and then you're either procrastinating or pushing it off is what you said as so you go to the refrigerator. So the question I would ask, uh, what, were, what are you feeling in that moment? And what do you think you need in that moment when this is happening? That's related to the feeling. That's the key, related to the feeling.
1: Um, an assistant. <laughs> okay. So now we're on to something.
0: Because, uh, you know, I'll tell you, when you were describing that to me, I was, I was thinking, huh, I wonder if what you need is permission to give yourself a break. Because when you're going, going, pushing, pushing, oh.
1: there also can be a
0: form of exhaustion, mental exhaustion, physical exhaustion. And, you know, it's really interesting. I've had some people not be willing to give themselves a break. But then, by turning toward the food, you actually give yourself the break in a in a passive way. You know, you give your mind something to do. We're going to go hunt for the food. Now we're going to eat the food. And depending what the situation is for you, sometimes there's guilt left over from that. So now your mind is processing on that. And so sometimes you bought a half an hour of a break, maybe an hour, or those kinds of things. So if we can look at what's behind this, that's how we start getting some of those solutions. You
1: know, that, that is very interesting, isn't and it? Very true. Yeah. That's...
0: Yeah. So it's what am I feeling? What do I need? What am I feeling? What do I need? And I'd also be looking at what are you not willing to give yourself? Because it might not—it might be the break. I, don't, I can't give myself a break. Mm. And if you keep falling yourself into this, you might—you might start looking at well, maybe I can't give myself a half an hour break. How about 15 minutes? And looking at these kinds of things. And let's say, let's say sometimes it's just about the food. The food sounds really good. Then what I would say is like, okay, then let's be with the food. Let's enjoy it. Let's—let's let's experience it. But when your mind is preoccupied or going on to the next task. And you're multitasking, you rob yourself of that experience. So it's kind of like if you've been in a conversation with somebody on a phone and you can tell their mind went somewhere else. They're like saying all the right things, but you know they're not there. Well, that's mm-hmm. what happens when you're you're eating and, and and distracting and you miss out on the experience. Like, oh my God, I need another one, you know? Not that there's any shame in that, but you miss out on the experience. And and that's and then it creates the, the repetition. And so for a lot of people, what I see is we need to expand our toolbox of coping. And frankly, With this, all of this pandemic, it has been such a stressful time. I don't know anyone who hasn't been impacted in some profound way. You know, it's just, it's a lot to go through. And one of the things I look at is like, oh my God, you survived a pandemic. Maybe you need to give yourself a little bit of a break. And I've been working with people who feel guilty because they, quote, haven't got anything done. They weren't productive in their downtime. It's like, have you thought about you actually survived a pandemic? I actually have a great grandmother who died in the pandemic in 1918. And so we take for granted the fact that you're living. You know what I mean? But there's actually something really profound about that. And maybe we need to cut ourselves a little bit of slack. Maybe I give myself permission to let go of my to-do list today. Do I really need to get all these things done to day and there might be some things that yeah you really have to but how many of those things can you actually delay for later because of your humanity that you're exhausted stress is exhausting uncertainty is exhausting you know even this hope now with the, with the um uh vaccines that are becoming more and more available there's uncertainty with that as well you know mm-hmm. so there's there's a lot there and it's important not to to uh underestimate the impact on you as a human being
1: yeah you know? A hundred percent. have Do you have any tips for um, coping in other ways like that aren't food? Like I'm just thinking of, you know, like you just said the whole, you know, maybe you're not giving yourself permission to take a break. I'm like, huh, I could probably like go for a walk for 15 minutes. Like that would be a solution. Like what, like what are some of these other little coping things that you would yeah. suggest? I've got lots and, it, but I wanna, and I'm
0: happy to tell you what they are. But one of the keys is first filling out, figuring out what that feeling is because we're going to do a better job of dialing that in. Yeah. So if you need a break, yeah, sometimes change of scenery, taking a walk can do that. But sometimes it's like, oh man, I've been moving like Scooby-Doo, doing the Scooby-Doo shuffle. <laughs> I need to just go, ah. And so maybe what that means is you need a, a, a meaningful distraction. Maybe you're going to go onto TikTok and watch all the funny puppy dogs or the beaver or all these, <laughs> these things that are popping up. And I, what I'm looking at with coping mechanisms, when you needed a, a, a meaningful distraction, is that you don't feel worse when you finish it. You know, mm-hmm. and so that's how you can tell. Because I have some people. Actually, I'll, I'll just call myself out on this. One of the things I like to do for meaningful distractions, I'll play some games on my phone. But some of the games, when I finish playing them, I don't feel good. I don't know what's <laughs> going on with my brain. It's like, ooh, mental note. I want to try a different type of <laughs> different type of game for distraction. So, looking at what those are, and so part of what this is is it we're dialing in and matching this coping technique with the actual situation. And sometimes we don't have the solution we need. So for example, one phenomenon we're seeing right now, especially if people are living alone, is skin hunger. We are actually meant to be in connex- connection and, and touching. And That's that's been missing, but we can do things like you know actually putting lotion on your skin when you're washing your hair, doing some things like that. It's not the same thing as getting a wonderful hug or even a high five from your Starbucks person or something like that. And so it's recognizing that sometimes this restlessness we're feeling has to do with an unmet need. So that's another question I look at for coping. You know, is there what might what unmet need might be happening? Right now, And maybe it turns out you need more community. And what's a way that I can connect with some of my friends that's meaningful to me and also not that I have the energy for? Looking at those kinds of things. And sometimes it's not easy to figure that out. Sometimes it's going to take a while because you also might be simultaneously, I am so exhausted. I cannot have one more Zoom conversation or something like that and honoring that. And so looking at what it might be, it might be, hey, Maybe with some close friends, you put on a mask, you go outside for a walk where that feels safer and there's some connection that's going on that way. So finding out what aligns for you, what feels right.
1: We're talking about nourishing our bodies this week, but we should also nourish our brains. What if I told you, you could increase your focus, get better sleep and overall just improve your mood with just a few minutes a day? Well, I'm here to tell you it's possible with Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations and an easy to use app. Whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed by your upcoming wedding in five weeks, not to be specific or anything, but Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Having trouble getting some shut-eye? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. I know meditation has been so helpful for me, but even after doing it for a couple of years, I still have moments when my thoughts are racing or... or when I can't get a situation out of my head. That's why I love the guided meditations through Headspace. It really helps me stay on track and keep my mind from racing while I'm trying to get in my moment of zen. And that's the beauty of Headspace. They make it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. It is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. You deserve to feel happier and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash kid. That's headspace.com slash kid for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's Full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. So again, just head to headspace.com/slash big kid today. I did want to, I know you you kind of touched on briefly. I know you specialize in binging and, you know, some eating disorders and, and you see a lot of that in your practice. And I've actually kind of just I I've been thinking of this recently just because I'm I'm actually a bride to be. And when it comes to like unhealthy food patterns like i feel like now is a time in my life i've never experienced this before in my life but i feel like i'm so hyper focused on everything i'm eating mm. to a point where it's like getting really annoying and i was interested like if there are if there are red flags if there are things that you see like with your clients where you're like hmm we're taking things a little far here like any any kind of any things that you would say like are like little things to look out for where you might be taking something too far.
0: Yeah, I really like that question uh, a lot. And thank you for the, for the disclosure. There's a lot of stress when you're a bride-to-be and especially with, with the pandemic and setting dates and all that, that kind of stuff. And I've never met a person yet in my practice with an eating disorder that woke up one day and said, hey, I'm gonna have an eating disorder. It's a slow descent in, into hell. It often starts with really good intentions. Hey, I just wanna be healthy. I wanna be my best when I get uh, married or whatever the situation might be. So here's, here's some things I'd be looking at where you're becoming really preoccupied Occupied and worried about every single thing that you are eating, where it's impacting your mood, where you find that even in conversations, when you're having a meal with your fiance or family and your mind is distracted, you're not present, you are thinking about what you're going to eat, not going to eat, or compensate, or those kinds of things. Those are signs so when you're having a lot of worry and anxiety. If you find yourself compensating for things that make you unhappy about eating uh, decisions, those are red flags. Again, all these things I'm mentioning doesn't mean you have any sort of just red flags. And I think what makes it trickier in our in our culture right now is so much uh, disorder eating behavior has been normalized. And right now mm-hmm. what we're seeing is eating disorders have doubled in our uh, around the world, which is really scary, you know? Yeah. And there tends to be a little more preoccupation and, and self-absorption that happens because what's happening is if if you're not getting enough to eat, the mind is so smart, it starts having creating images and thoughts of food because it's trying to get ways for you to eat and it's not you know throwing in the cravings of kale or broccoli it's like pasta, donuts, all these kinds of things because the, the brain needs carbs. So that's what I would be looking at. There's also the National Eating Disorders Association. The acronym is NEDA, And if you go onto their website, they have a great uh, eating disorder screening tool that you can take a look at. And one of the cool things that's coming out with the research on intuitive eating, it seems to be really helpful in the prevention of eating disorders and possibly the treatment as well. So there's all kinds of things here. And you know, the other thing I, I do when I'm working with somebody I don't. And you don't have to answer this question, but if somebody's been struggling a bit, uh, and or they they're also planning on someday on having a family, it's this idea. Wouldn't it be nice not to pass on this suffering or the legacy of diet culture to my kids? That this can begin at the kitchen table, you know. Mm-hmm. And I find for a lot of people that idea connects with them really well, you know.
1: Yeah when when we when we talk about like that kind of stuff and like the eating disorder and everything like that. At least, at least in my experience. And I know um I talk to so many listeners who are also going through weddings. So I just yeah. like want to like be clear on that. Like to me, I've kind of justified it where I'm like, okay, I'm going to be crazy only for like two months. Like I know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And to my understanding at least I would know that like Eating disorders or something you can't really control, and I feel like I'm just kind of being like a psycho <laughs> for a very short period of time. Um, but still, it, I, it, I don't know if that's that's not good. Like I'm sure. That's is it not around a good your eating thing. that you
0: say that you're you're doing this for the short period of time?
1: Eating and working out, like okay, you know. So I
0: want to I throw some ideas for you to think about. Yeah, uh, even with the short period of time. I have had people in my practice in tears talking about their regrets of going down the rabbit hole of getting ready for the big wedding and all the pictures and all those kinds of things and being so obsessed about it that rather than being honest to God, rather than being excited about the wedding day, they couldn't wait to eat the wedding cake or the, or the food and all these other things that their mind was so preoccupied, they actually missed out on a lot of the connection getting ready for the wedding. So that's mm. what I would have you think about. No judgment. There's a lot of big stuff that, that's going on and sometimes actually focusing on the food and the exercise is a coping mechanism because it's stressful planning a wedding and all the things that go together and the budgetary things and the decisions and So sometimes fixating on just exactly what to eat is is a way to cope.
1: Mm. But I,
0: I, I would say, you know, your quality of life matters now. You know yeah uh, I, want, I would love for you to enjoy the process of the planning and the excitement and all the stuff that goes on and not have regrets about, oh my God, I was so worried about what I was eating. I, I didn't notice you know that my best friend sent me this little card until you know three months later, it was so touching, and I missed the moment, things <sighs> like that. Yeah. That's oh so my God! True. I got you. I got you. Yeah.
1: That is I, got so you, true. I, I
0: felt I felt that resonate with you. Yeah. A
1: hundred percent. It's yeah. so it's so right. And honestly, like, uh, that is something I'm honestly going to start to work on because I even just like this last weekend we had um we had like a friend coming in town and they you know want to go to dinner and they want to do all these things and my 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 first thought was oh, I don't want to go to dinner. I don't want to eat. Unhealthy foods right now, and then my second thought was, I can't believe that was your first thought.
0: <laughs> you Surprise. know, good
1: for you. You know what I say? I,
0: good for you for having awareness. That's you being emotionally honest with yourself. You know, so
1: mm-hmm. that's
0: great. And then the question is, what are you going to do with that hmm. knowledge now?
1: Yeah, I think um I think I'm definitely going to try and go easier on myself. Yeah. And honestly, it kind of goes back to the first thing. It's all about like I I think the listening to those cues and like mm-hmm. when I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. And I just Ooh, I do, you know, I do want to be careful. I do want to be careful of the types of food I'm eating, and I want to get into that next. Because we've talked, we've talked about right now like the the hunger cues and paying attention to that, and I do want to talk about the actual foods that we're putting in our mouths. Because again, going back to what we were saying originally, we can get so confused and what's healthy, what's not healthy, that we're like, well, what do I actually eat?
0: Well, and we have to remember our our mental health, our emotional health is a part of health as well, you know. And if we get too overly fixated on the on what to eat and the precision of the perceived healthiness, we miss out on our life. We miss out on the, on the present moment, you know, mm-hmm. one feel, one food, one meal, one day, one week is not going to make or break your, your health. And we're living in a culture with so much fear mongering. It's like, oh my God, this bite on my fork is going to either kill me or cure me. You know, it's, it's the, and, and we need to get back to the joy of eating, the pleasure of eating and the connection. Like when you're, when you're having this amazing experience in your life. And usually, I don't know if you plan to have a wedding cake, wedding cupcakes, or whatever it happens to be, that's part of the, part of the, the tradition, you know, to participate in, in all of that. And sometimes what happens is in the interest of eating a certain way, if you postpone uh, honoring some of these, these cravings, it builds up a life of its own. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's easy to get into loss of control eating. Those are the types of things that happen, also. So there's so much more to health, and sometimes what happens with nutrition, it becomes weaponized, or when people talk about it, it's it's done with such reduction and without the nuance going on in in the research. You know, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. So when we are thinking about what to eat, and I I know you talked about you know not like following what you're what you think is you're supposed to eat, and really listening to kind of what you want. Is there a limit to that? Because I feel like, um, you know, if I if I w- left was left to my own devices, like I would, you know, want to eat all of this like super unhealthy foods. Like sometimes I crave like, you know, donuts or Coca Cola, you know, and all this stuff that has like no nutritional value. And what where, where's the balance of like, or how do you kind of differentiate? I guess is the question between like a craving versus like what your body wants to eat. Those are good questions.
0: So, many times the, the cravings and the fears is in is direct consequence to the amount of uh, restriction that's been going on or the forbiddenness of, of a food, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, then what ends up happening is the food stays more on your mind, the craving gets a little more intense, and you get a little more scared. And then, because there's a party that thinks you shouldn't really have it, then it's like, well, right now, I better get it now while I can because I'm not going to have another opportunity. And it tends to, to uh, lead to more eating in a way that doesn't feel good, you know? So, that's why the psychological health is also really component, a really important component. And there's actually a ton of research that's come out with this. A new study just came out this week, a meta-analysis on intuitive eating looking at psychological health in terms of uh, body appreciation, joy, prevention of eating disorders, all these, these wonderful things. And so the fear that we hear a lot is if I eat whatever I want, I'm never going to stop and I'm going to eat too much of quote, the wrong food. And that's not what happens. Another study came out showing that intuitive eaters actually end up eating more fruits and vegetables. So the more we try and micromanage and micro control and then and then compensate things that we don't care for that we did the more it creates that that wedge in that in that trust that disruption in that trust so the research is actually looking pretty good so part of it is is easing up and recognizing that shaming ourselves or having guilt around what we're eating or having rigid rules actually creates bigger problems around this you know and sometimes people i will say they have to they get humbled into submission before they're willing to look at that you know mm.
1: Mhm. I notice you're not telling me anything specific to eat. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> Your powers of observation are really good. I'm yeah. trying to pull it out of you and I'm not getting anything. Um, but no, I I see, I get why and I know you want people to just kind of explore and, and eat what what they want to eat. And what and what feels good, you know, and so some days it might be, oh my God, I want to really
0: it's been hot lately here in, in California. It's like, oh my, I want a really amazing salad, you know, with with a roll and I don't know, something something to drink. And 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 then maybe another day it might be, I want I want chili and cornbread. There's all these different kinds of things that that, that can come into play and come into into balance, including those foods you mentioned, including the, the donuts and the and sometimes what ends up happening. You know, this is really interesting when people are having, um, making peace with their eating and they suddenly allow themselves to have these foods they've been forbidding. They, they eat it and they go, Oh my God, what's, where's the taste? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because sometimes what happens is there's been so much excitement and so much urgency built up for not even even tasting the food they're like hurry let's hurry and eat it before I get on with the guilt uh let all these other kinds of things that happen where they're not taking now sometimes it turns out they really do love the food, and if that's the case, then let's be with it and really, really enjoy it, you know, but <clears> you <throat> have a right to feel good and eat in a way that that feels good to you, and it's different for different people
1: you know yeah, yeah, one of the things I like that you mentioned the you know like sometimes you might be craving a food and once you finally get it, you might not even want it. One of the things, I actually did this exercise a couple years ago. I I was having some kind of food sensitivity issues and we were trying to figure out like what it was that I was eating. And um, my nutritionist at the time was like, you need to, every time you put anything into your mouth, like write down what you ate. And then 30 minutes later, write down how you feel. And I did this for like two weeks and it was honestly really, really eye-opening. And I realized Mm -hmm. that there were some foods that I like quote unquote, like really liked eating. But then I hated how I felt like 30 minutes later. It turned out I was like, like not, I could not really eat dairy. Like anytime I huh. eat anything with cheese and I love cheese, like I love smothering everything in cheese. But 30 yeah. minutes after eating it, I would feel sick. I would feel like nauseous, all of this stuff. And once I kind of understood that, I stopped. I, I didn't really crave the cheese as much. Like I was kind of like, okay maybe I'm going to look for some alternatives because I just don't like the way that I feel after this. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. And, and also what's nice too is
0: sometimes, unless we're talking about a life-threatening allergy, we can look at what I call choices and consequences. It might just be, you know what? Now that I'm really clear how I'm feeling... And it's, it's it's amazing how often it's not obvious because you're busy on your to-do list and doing all these things. You might not be connected. It's like, do I really want to feel that way? And if the answer is no, it's like, ooh, I'm going to find alternatives. Or it might be, you know what? I've got nothing going on the next day. I don't... If if the consequences are I'm feeling a little uncomfortable, I'm willing to do that because this ice cream is just sounds really amazing and I want to connect. And then you can do that. And then when you finish, you can decide, huh, how do I feel? Pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? And if it's unpleasant, when I choose to feel this way again, and if the answer is no, it might be, huh, what might I do differently?
1: It might be eating less of it. Uh, it might be, who knows, you know? Yeah, all
0: kinds of ways to work with this.
1: So true. And that, that yeah. is funny to point that out because there are some days I am willing to risk it all for like a bowl of queso.
0: <laughs> there you go. Well, That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. So you still have your, you're still in charge. You still have the agency. So it doesn't become this all or none. It becomes a, a bowl of, of queso versus a vat of it if you think you're never, ever, ever, ever going to have it again. You know, it's
1: profound. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, I know you do have all these other principles and I'd love to hit on a couple other, maybe like one or two other ones that you would love to share with our audience before we start to wrap up.
0: Oh my gosh, that feels like so much pressure. Well, I know. Okay. So I'm I'll, sorry. I'll tell you one. This is, this is okay. So I'm gonna. I'll, I'll use this one. It's so important. And that's respect your body. Everyone's body deserves dignity and respect. And what happens is, is when you are unsatisfied with your body, that sometimes is what leads you down the rabbit hole of engaging in in eating and exercising in ways that can end up being problematic. You know. And mm. there's uh, we have genetic destinies. Just like when we know that we're a shoe size of, of eight, we're not gonna try and suddenly be a size six. People laugh when I say that. But suddenly people have these projects around their their bodies. And we know that having shame and, and guilt and fat phobia and all of these types of things actually create worse impact on on your health. So if you remember nothing else, is that everyone deserves dignity and respect. All bodies deserve dignity and respect.
1: Yeah. Is there any yeah. I, I know that's like a a, you know, a great concept, and in practice, you know, especially with any of your clients who maybe struggle with that a little bit or you know have some trouble with bo- like full body acceptance. Is there any like little things that you recommend trying or little hacks to try and build up that muscle a little bit more? Yeah, you know, there's several. So, one of the things I like to point out
0: is like your body is your home for the rest of your life, this is your one. Body. And so part of it is connecting with your humanity and that you're more than a body. Your body is not your identity but if you feel that way that you're a body and if you're having a challenging body day it can feel really devastating so sometimes it's a matter of of reminding yourself of what are the qualities and values that you like and value about yourself that yeah i can have a challenging body day and i'm funny and i'm gracious and i'm smart so you're not stuck in in that identity but it takes time and then people who are in marginalized bodies when you're living in a culture you don't feel safe that's a whole other conversation when we start looking at what do we need to do to change the culture you know, mm. that's creating all this body hierarchy. It's it's really profound, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. It just reminded me of um like one of the I had like this transformational thought one day in my late twenties where I was kind of going through something similar. I think I don't remember what the event was, but I was kind of going a little crazy, like trying to lose weight fast and all mm. of this stuff. And I remember having the thought of my job isn't like supermodel. Like my job is like, I run oh. I, my own company. I run a business. Like the fact that I can even get to the gym like two, three days a week is awesome. Yeah. i like, I'm, you know, I have a lot more going on. I'm not I, that same thought. Like I'm not just a body. I'm not I love supposed to be that way. And it really did help. I was like, oh yeah. Like I, you know, can have some respect for myself. I'm not, I'm not out here trying to be Cindy Crawford, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And,
0: and part of the things related to this that people get really surprised is the body of research that shows the most predictive thing to gain more weight is to go on some kind of attentional weight loss diet of some sort. You know, and it's it's the it's research that's been out there in many many different ways, including doing studies on on twins. So it's not like it's even something that's impactful or sustainable. It predicts the opposite, and then causes all this other harm in terms of risk of eating disorders and 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 body dissatisfaction and and so on.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I I know we we have kind of been talking. A, I mean, I've been talking a lot about like goals. You know, uh, around that, like losing weight for a wedding and silly things like that but what are some what are some healthy goals that we can make that Aren't we based? Oh, I love that question. So it could be it could be something that needs to be sustainable.
0: Nothing to do with weight. It's going to be about sleep, you know. Sleep has a, a profound impact on your mood. It could be having good self care, whether it's taking having more breaks in the day, giving yourself permission to have a pause or to have a, a day off. It could be about self connection. It could be about spiritual health. All of these other types of things. Deep listening. There's been a lot of research showing that just listening and being connection with your body is really related to a lot of well. Being and flourishing, you know, mm. that sounds kind of nice.
1: Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Evelyn, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. If anybody wants to learn more about intuitive eating or they want more from you, where can they find you? Well, you know what? Probably the quickest way would be on Instagram. I also did a 10-day series with videos on intuitive bidding, like the
0: 101 that you were asking. But there's, a, there's little blurbs on that that starts on January 4th, uh, 2021. Website intuitive or evelyntroubly.com and then my my books and so forth. So yeah,
1: awesome. Thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah we're going to link everything in show notes for everybody. But thank you so much for being on today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. That is a wrap on our episode this week. Big, big thank you to Evelyn Triboli for dedicating her time to us this week. She is so freaking fabulous. If you want to check out her new book, I've linked it on our Big Kid Problems Amazon list, which is right in show notes. Every book we've ever mentioned on this podcast is on that list. So if you're looking for some new beach reads, click on that link. It's also linked in my bio and in the Big Kid Problems Instagram if you can't find it. If you like this episode, please remember to leave a little review, maybe pass it to a friend or two who might like it. You guys keep this show going. So thank you. If You want to continue the combo, come hang out in the Big Kid Problems Facebook group. I have a feeling my brides out there may have some opinions about this episode. So if you've been feeling the pressure to feel free to come bitch in the Facebook group. I swear it's a safe space. Um, I'll be in there and sharing as well. All right, guys, that is all for me this week. Thank you for spending your time with me. And I hope to see you here next time for a brand new episode. Until then, I will see you next Tuesday.